Howdy doody. Hello. How goes it? It's great. Good to see everybody back again or here, you know, whatever. Enter your name here. Yeah, enter name here. <laughs> we're back. Yep. Uh, Telling stories. That's right. Uh, this time we're going to be on another little bit of a focused road trip and we're starting. What we're are doing we with doing? Uh, Arkansas. Oh, yeah, doing another state. Yep. Back to this the This is the 25th state, actually. Not the 25th one we've done. The 25th admitted to our yeah. fine union. I think this is the third state episode we've done. I believe so. Yeah. Um, it's the natural state. That's their logo. Oh, really? Not their, not their logo, but their motto. I didn't even I bother to look up anything about this and, state, uh, actually. You know, they keep it real <laughs> simple down there, I think. But anyways. Yeah. So, so what state we, are we doing? We want to tell them yet? I just told them Arkansas. Oh, did you? oh I didn't hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought I just heard you say the, what the the nature state. Yeah, the natural state. The natural state. <clears throat> Anyways, so you know, we'll Welcome just back. focus in on that a little bit. But then before we do, you know, go on Facebook and enter name here. Go to Instagram. Enter name here podcast. Yeah, and they're gonna email us at enter name <laughs> sure. here podcast at sure. gmail dot com. We could just not tell them, and they would still know the. We still get the same amount of emails as we did last week. Don't even have to give the email address. Yeah, I'm sure you still can be guess the same that number. number. Although we got more, didn't we get more last week? Yeah, we I sent a lot to us. Oh, it's just from you. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so last week we were talking about uh, the birds aren't real movement. We did, which actually was actually it was uh, one of our fastest to gain momentum episodes so thanks for that yeah. keep telling your friends you know yeah absolutely spread the word you know <laughs> not about the birds aren't real <clears throat> but about us well all of it yeah but actually funny enough <clears throat> told Chris i had big news to tell him i was at my parents house and uh somebody knocked on the door <clears throat> and ended up being their new neighbor new neighbor comes in a real nice guy you know name's tony quote unquote i don't know because you'll find out <laughs> he said he does a lot of different things you know he, right but one of the things he does is he's a falconer oh wow so he has a fucking bird <laughs> and i was like i even asked him i said is it real he said yeah you want to come out and check it out i'm like no way i was like uh <laughs> what's going on here he had all these different jobs he was like seemed like a man of many things his wife did all this like government work and stuff like huh. i mean she worked for like environmental groups but right it was still like i i, I was i was insistent that, that guy had a, a a drone that he was in charge of <laughs> he'd heard our episode <clears throat> yeah. and he was on to I you don't know if he'd, right yeah i mean <laughs> you never know that kind of thing comes up so yeah interesting that is little interesting. Tidbit that, like it was the day after we recorded it was not even probably 12 hours That's after we crazy. recorded so did that. you go see the bird no, no. i was kind of sketched out by the bird <laughs> yeah that that would have been too but fal falconry is pretty cool though it yeah. is yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does hunting and stuff with it yeah. so huh. or surveillance whichever <clears throat> right yeah definitely <clears throat> very mysterious though that, that that would happen at my parents house which is even weirder <laughs> right it's definitely weird. you know definitely it was your weird. computer that was used for the audio it's true so i don't know how that came to be you know it wasn't like my algorithm well i guess <laughs> looking it up maybe for all the research but it's the <clears> simulation <throat> messing with you yeah so be careful if you beat anybody he claims his name was tony 
Real nice guy, though. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, interesting. I mean, timing. of course, he's gonna be nice. Was he wearing a black suit? No, he was wearing like he was <laughs> dressed like that rugged individualist kind of guy. Like, okay, you know, he was a slender guy with glasses, and dressed like, like a falconer. <laughs> I think he had a plaid shirt on. Like, huh? Yeah. So, hmm. but at my parents' house, it was really weird. Yeah, that's weird. It was like, and I just happened. I, I'd been there maybe thirty minutes. Huh hi i'm a falconer your new neighbor it's like, like he, you're okay he's there let's go <laughs> right like they watched me drive by and it's like something came on anyway so um, yeah that is yeah. crazy wow so and speaking of birds again they're not real they're they're not real but this this one is and this is loosely related birds <laughs> because this is a golfer and in oh. golf they have birdies and eagles again to, oh gotcha yeah. to normalize birds <laughs> um this guy's named uh what's his first name birdie no his last name's gilmore <laughs> and his name is landon gilmore but golfer he's with been the going last name he's gilmore. been going by the nickname happy for <laughs> under 10 years now just under 10 years so when he uh <clears throat> committed to ball state university or university of ball state i don't know which um ball state yeah. university um, it's got the committed happy gilmore is his name so you know wow. speaking of birds again yeah huh, obviously no, that's, that's uh, a much looser definition of a bird thing it's all right but yeah this kid's like a, gonna be a freshman at ball state and his name's happy gilmore happy and he's a golfer gilmore. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can't write it no. well, i mean because it's already been written but right it's been written by his parents <laughs> who just started calling him that would oh, it be funny that's a that's a tough nickname to live up to though like Oh, right. You yeah. know, if they call you Grumpy Tom, then you're like, you never have to be a nice guy, even if you're in a good mood, right? right. Or you have to be the nicest guy. It's like one or the right. other. Right. You know, like calling a guy with no left arm, you call him lefty. Yeah, you know? exactly. But yeah, you call this kid happy. I mean, he looks happy in his picture. I mean, I guess he's going on a scholarship to Ball State. Yeah. But Excuse me. <laughs> people are going to think that was really you. That was his speaker. It was. Anyway, so yeah, congrats to Happy Gilmore. Yeah, and the for real. Um, Shooter McGavin Twitter page Shooter at, McGavin. Shoot, at Shooter McGavin on X. He excremented. That's the new name for tweet. <laughs> uh, congrats! But I tell you what, you'd be something in one of these long drive contests. Hell, you'd probably make a very good living traveling around hustling at driving ranges. Just a thought. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Happy Gilmore. <clears throat> Happy freaking Gilmore. Was that one of your news stories? Yeah, that's the... Nice. Yeah. Well, um, mine has nothing at all to do with that, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, like always, I'm just looking through headlines, and I found a bus driver ate gummies containing THC, then passed out on highway. He's now on probation. Wow. That's the whole headline. Um, commercial bus driver who pulled over on a Connecticut highway and passed out with 38 passengers aboard after eating THC-infused gummies has been granted a probation program that could result in criminal charges being dismissed. <laughs> So this guy accidentally ate these gummies. He's this, um, let me see. <laughs> he got them when he was trick-or-treating, right? Like the neighbor gave them to him. Well, uh, I, who knows? I did, actually, the article doesn't say how it got him, but um, Mr. Chen, 59, who said he didn't know the gummies contained the active ingredient in marijuana, he successfully completed a two-year probation period, 38 counts of reckless endangerment. If he if he completes the two-year probation period, 38 counts of reckless endangerment That means there were 38 erased. people on the bus. Right, yeah. Probably. And so, I mean, they're kind of... <laughs> 
thinking about maybe going easier on him because, well, it wasn't his intention. And he did pull over and manage to call the cops on himself before he passed out when the police got there. I wonder how many he ate. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, some of those things are heavy duty, Judy, man. But I tell you. Yeah. But he said he started feeling funny if he and thought pulled that it over. Was like, if he thought they were like little Reese cups, <laughs> right. and he like ate six of them, <laughs> and they were all like, eat or, one of these at a time. You know, I've been known to tear apart a bag of gummies to like, eat the whole thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, and you get like 10,000 right. or 100,000 milligrams or something. So when yeah. the police got there, he was slumped over in his seat, like unconscious. Wow. <laughs> but he managed to call He's, like 911. He never slept better. So, yeah, the lawyer's trying to get better. him off because it's like, well, he called the cops on himself. Like he knew something was. Yeah, wrong. but I mean, where does that draw the line? Well, the, well I just killed a guy. Well, you told us about it, well, so it's with all right. Him, he um, he can't read or speak English. Oh, so he had no way of knowing. <laughs> they find the bag and it just says <laughs> in giant letters like "weed gummies." <laughs> I didn't know what it said. <laughs> so yeah, hmm. Yep. How about he that? can't read English? But he drives a bus. That's what something, they're claiming. Something suspicious that had there. crossed my mind as well. I was waiting. Where for is it, this? It's uh, where did uh, it's in Connecticut, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm pretty sure they write their signs in English up there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. <laughs> Makes you wonder. And it just has this one route that's just one but, long I mean, road. There are plenty of people that can't read that can drive one just long fine. road with a cul-de-sac on each end. So that's his route is just to drive this big barbell-shaped <laughs> loop all yeah. day long. No signs needed. I mean, maybe he can recognize like what he needs to. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if he. Drive in Japan, their signs are the same way. Right. In Germany, the same like, way that they are here. So perhaps I mean, he knows whatever words he needs to know. Yeah, but I'm like, just thinking. yeah, but yeah, that's a good point. for the sake of yeah. comedy. <laughs> but even so, it's a good question. <laughs> well, and I'm sure it would have been asked in court. Like, well, I mean, doesn't he drive the bus? I have less like, of a problem with this guy's judgment than I do with this other guy that I was reading about. All right, I saw, we saw you saw this. You got a sneak peek of this article earlier, and it's. Usually when you hear about a Florida man, it's bad. Right. And I think this is worse. Because this guy has already amassed a collection of 2,467 copies of the epic film Titanic on, oh, on I did VHS. Catch a glance of that. Yeah, yeah. He's got it on VHS. He, now, you heard that number, 2,467. He wants a million. That is a huge boost. <laughs> right that's a whole lot more that's yeah. uh, he basically needs a million to get to a million <laughs> wonder how many copies you know are I mean? out there <laughs> yeah right um he's identified as jd or on youtube he's known as titanic fan 97 wow since he scours thrift stores flea markets and garage sales for copies of the film and uh he's even had people mail him tapes from all over the world that's he said you can't escape this movie when everyone had it your grandma had it. Your mom, your dad, whoever. Someone in your family had this movie. Uh, said he's aiming to gather a million copies. Like I said, he he wants a million copies. He needs essentially a million copies. Right. So that's like me saying I want a, hun- a million copies <laughs> of Pootie Tang. Well, I have a, almost as much of a head start as he does on his collection. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's never gonna get there. I don't think. He says, this is this is what J.D. says. <clears throat> I go to sleep thinking about Titanic, and I wake, wake up thinking about Titanic. Wow. Um, he actually has things beyond copies of film, and he has the world's largest collection of Titanic. God, I can't even. Titanic. Of Titanic, the soundtrack on CD. 
Wow. Um, so if you have any spare copies of VHS, you can mail them to this guy, and I'll give you his address. It's P.O. Box 5355 Largo, Florida, 33779. There you go. All right. <laughs> if you got a copy of that. Like, I can't imagine that where my life would be if I said... I go to bed thinking about Titanic, <laughs> and I wake up thinking about Titanic. That's going to take dude, up a lot of space, dude. You need to I mean. save up some... some. Uh, maybe you can get money for those copies and go on to uh, betterhelp.com or whatever. Not <laughs> right. a sponsor. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure do you need money for that, but yeah. Yeah, I think you pay a membership fee, but it, yeah, okay. But still, like, something's wrong. Anyway, yeah. so... Agreed. Agreed. Well, um... JD, seek help. JD, definitely seek help. Um... How about a uh, customer sues chopped eatery chain over salad that she says contained a piece of manager's finger? Mm. What? What? <laughs> Is that like that lady with the chili from Wendy's? Oh, I don't know that story. Really? I don't think so. Hmm. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, a customer has filed a lawsuit against the fast casual chain Chopped over a salad that she says contained a piece of the manager's finger, which in fact it did because apparently... Uh, the manager had cut herself earlier chopping the arugula, which was apparently just put into the <laughs> stuff for the salad. Oh, this, oh, yeah. I, for some reason, because I said Wendy's, I was thinking like it was at a Wendy's. I'm like, what oh, kind no. of was Wendy's a, serving arugula? It was at a place called Chopped. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I guess I was, it sounded like I was saying a chopped salad, but no, it was at a place called Chopped. And uh, yeah, she actually got a salad with the manager's finger in it. And I mean, that's the story. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so at least she's that's... suing them, but you know, like that's, that's the uh... interesting part of the story. It's like, yeah, wow. Well, I thought that was going to be similar to this because that's actually like they actually did cut their finger off. Right. Yeah, she actually did cut her finger. But I mean, like... why would you serve that out? Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, like yeah. I can't find this. Oh well, send that salad. Yeah, send the salad mm, out. Like, yeah. shady. Well, apparently it had happened like an hour or so before. So it was like yeah. aged finger, right? An aged Jeez. finger, even. Uh, no, but this was what I was telling you about. Um, the California court sentenced a couple to nine years in prison. This was in 2006, so they're probably out by now. Uh, for planting a severed human finger in a bowl of chili to swindle a Wendy's fast food chain restaurant. Wow. Um. A judge in Santa Clara, California, sentenced Anna Ayala and her husband, uh, Jamie Placencia, to nine years for their role in the Wendy scam. And uh, apparently, see, I think it was like, she, she the woman had initially claimed that she discovered the finger after buying the bowl of chili last March. And uh, investigators later determined that the husband obtained the piece of finger from a co-worker and lost the top of a finger in an industrial accident at a paving company. Um, the man had turned over the finger fragment to settle a $50 debt. Weird. That's, That's already weird. Uh, interesting. That's a And so then they took itself. this piece and then threw it into the chili to try to, like, scam it. Um, <clears throat> Wendy's eventually paid a $100,000 reward for information to help establish the source of the severed finger. So the guy that had that debt, probably he might have made out on that deal even better. <laughs> right, yeah. It took, a company official said it took Wendy's months to recover from the bad publicity, and they lost millions of, sale, millions of dollars in sales because of the incident. Wow. At one point, they were even giving away free ice cream to try to lure customers back into its San Jose area restaurants. Oh, so that's crazy. Nine years seems like a undercut on it, but yeah, that's what I thought when you were 
I'm talking about the finger. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing like this one was a, a legit. Like, yeah, the manager's People finger was assholes. in <laughs> First of all, I mean, you know, that sucks. You cut off your finger. Right. But it's like, do the right thing. I mean, mean, who who the hell? Those people are trying to scam the money. But like that other person didn't. They sent this salad out. Right. I worked in restaurants long enough to know that like, (laughs) if something, if you miss in the part of a fingernail, you're like, that food is not going anywhere. (laughs) Right. Yeah. For real. You know, I'd be like, oh man, a beard hair fell out. I better remake, get a new bond. Yeah, I mean, everything around that situation needed to go, probably. (laughs) I mean, see. Right. (laughs) Yeah, uh, immediately. Amazing. And how, like, you took her to the hospital. Why didn't you take the piece of finger with you? I mean, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe they couldn't, but maybe they could. Well, fingertip is probably, they can put fingers back on. Right, yeah. It's like, at least take it with you. I mean... (laughs) Well, yeah. Anyway, as we say at the end of the show, you can't take it with you. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, but she was not donating it the right way. All right. I'm pretty sure you can't donate your fingers, but maybe you can. Well, we're gonna skip on. uh, Hey, guess what? We're gonna skip skip on Chris's favorite part, which is, (laughs) huh? What's going on here? (laughs) Um, Well said. So we're just going to get into our... Yeah, we're afraid we might go long tonight. We so. probably will, based on yeah. the fact that we just went into two stories that weren't related to anything that I had even thought about. Yeah, we were going to rush through the news. Yep. Look, look at that. Look <laughs> at us go. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get into like our guys or yeah. our girls or our incidents, whatever. Stall race. Like we said, this is Arkansas, <clears throat> so you know it's, it's just to narrow it down, because I think Chris mentioned that his actually happened in Arkansas. He did. Mine, my person is just born in Arkansas. Right. So, uh, and he it's Bill Clinton. He was the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then he had a cigar. Um, oh, that's another good one. No, this uh, this fellow was born somewhere between 1929 and 1932. They don't really know. In Sanslow, Arkansas. Sanslow. S L O U G H. So, I mean, that's. Okay. Sand slow, sand slow. I would I say know. sand slow, probably. It, yeah, I don't even know where this is. Um, sand slough. <laughs> who knows what it's like down there, what they say. <laughs> so the reason why they didn't know when he was actually born is like his family was sharecroppers. And, you know, he was oh, right. he was the second youngest of 25. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So uh, later on in his life, he said that his birthday was May 8th, 1932, but there's no real record of that. So, you know. Between thir- 29 and 32, so right. I got out of the 1800s, which I'd like to normally stay in. <clears throat> and uh, the fellow's named Charles L. Liston. You ever hear Charles Liston? I've heard of Sonny Liston. That's who it is. So, oh, really? Yes, Sonny Liston. <laughs> How about that? Um, right. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Um, like I said, super poor, sharecropping family, huh. and his dad was super abusive. So, and, right. and, and later in his life, he said that the only thing my old man ever gave me was a beating i guess it makes sense that he became a boxer right? well so he started he kind of just went away i think the mom <clears throat> she moved away to st louis mm-hmm. looking for factory work and probably to like run away from the bad situation sure. she was in 25 fucking kids she took some of the, she Ooh. had some he had with two different wives anyway but still <laughs> with no money so what did sunny as a kid started to like rob people and steal things and you know he was tougher than a lot of kids you know right um 
and by 12 he's basically alone in arkansas so he stole a bunch of pecans and sold them for bus fare <laughs> first of all like I, I think that's great to hear i mean that's something just like the idea of like <laughs> i stole some pecans from a tree and now i could ride a bus all the way to st louis <laughs> right that that's the old america i think <laughs> yeah um so when he gets there he <clears> gets arrested for that these days right. yeah or worse <laughs> or worse yeah. um so like when he got to st louis he's trying school but he couldn't read and he was being made fun of all the time so he just dropped out and kind of went into that like living on the streets stealing kind of behavior right and uh a life of desperation yeah and then eventually like he gets into like doing like a lot of strong arming and getting kind of violent like he was like he joined a gang that was like committing muggings and armed robberies and he gave his age of 20 at the time so they're saying anywhere from 20 to 22 he was caught and arrested again and this time it was for robbing a gas station so he'd been in and out of jail at this point but this time he was sentenced to five years in missouri state penitentiary Again, which is weird because an armed robbery of a ga- armed robbery of a gas station gets him five years with a record. Interesting, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah, I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah, as a black yeah. guy in the South slash mid mid South <laughs> Midway, I, don't, I, I guess what, it's Midwest again. It's in Missouri. You know? Yeah, I mean, they. I think it's kind of the South, but yeah. <laughs> Depends. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been. I think they consider themselves it's hot, part of the so it south. must be the south, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it is a southern state. Um, so while Sonny's in jail, uh, the athletic director of the penitentiary's in, who's also a priest, whose name Alois Stevens, A O A L O I S, suggested because he saw uh-huh. Sonny's toughness, so he suggested they started boxing. All right. Okay, so. He started boxing. I mean, that's you're in jail. You got nothing else to do, so yeah. he's just practicing, learning stuff, getting fit. Apparently, and even later in life, Muhammad Ali said that Sonny Sonny Liston's fist was as big as both of his fists. Oh, wow. He's huge, like he's a massive it's like guy. We were watching Mike Tyson really. Like, yeah, ooh. his hands, like they showed pictures. His wife was like holding her hand around his wrist, couldn't even get it around, and it's like she she might as well have been holding a basketball. <laughs> so. Wow. And you're getting hit by that. They notice his talent, which probably involved a lot of being able to punch hard with a giant fist, right? <laughs> sure, the he's, giant. It's like that he, Foo Fighters video. Or it's <laughs> like he's got like Thor hammers as hands, like sticking out a sleeve, <laughs> right. you know? Um, so he got this talent, and the, this priest saw him, and he ended up getting paroled early right. with the like, hey, we can get you into uh, boxing. You know, this was still <clears> back when boxing was bigger than it is now all right you know this is you know what the 40s or something right mm-hmm. you know yeah the 40s so there's a lot of people that believe that this priest was involved with the mob and at that point the mob was basically running boxing all over the place right like i mean it's just what the what was going on with gambling you know right. um right. and that, that probably explains part of the reason why after that armed robbery of a gas station with a record he got 29 months is what he served for that armed robbery so wow. they think that the mob just pulled some strings and got him out yeah wow yeah he's which seemed to no like time seemed for... to like hold over his head and you'll see because it kind of continues with this becomes his life 
Yeah, so on October twenty October thirty first, nineteen fifty two, he was released and began to to uh, spar in local gyms. Happy Halloween. And apparently would just destroy everybody he was sparring with. Like guys that had been training for years, he was just beating the right. shit out of them, right? I mean he had a frying pan fist. <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah. Might as well. Have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so after they saw this talent level, then he instantly immediately became like an amateur boxer, and he was really good at that. Right. And within six months, he he defeated the 1952 Olympic heavyweight champion, who's named Ed Sanders. <laughs> and he won Ed Sanders. Ed Sanders. No, it wasn't. Yeah, That's the, fake. There's some aw- awesome <laughs> names in this. I love old boxing names. It's Ed all great. Sanders. Um. <laughs> so he he defeated Ed to win the Chicago Golden Gloves Tournament of Champions, and that was six months after he started his career as an amateur. Two weeks after that, he won another Golden Gloves Championship and represented all of the Chicago area. Ooh. And for about six more months, he continued to fight amateur, and basically right around a year after his amateur career, he began to fight professionally. Okay. Okay. So, unfortunately, at this time, you know, you have to have money to be able to go to these places and fight, and like, you know, you're having to when you're when you're an up and comer, you're paying people to represent you, and like, they've got to get money in there, and you're yeah. not making a lot of money. Yeah, you probably got to pay to enter. <clears throat> right. Well, the time during this time, the people who are putting up the money for him were kind of sketchy underworld kind of guys, right? The mob kind of guys, and. uh Listen would pick up jobs with them, working as like an enforcer and a bouncer at their right. places. Strong man. And he was a strike buster for racketeers. Okay. And he worked for the mob. So he got his foot in the door, but at what cost, right? So mm-hmm. um so uh September second, nineteen fifty three, he knocked out a guy named Don Smith. <laughs> <laughs> True. In the first round. Uh. And uh, that was to get his first professional win. And he went on to win his first seven fights against people who were, you know, pretty well-respected fighters. You know? Right. Um, his first fight he lost was round eight. or <laughs> His eighth fight, he lost in eight rounds. And uh, in that round, he in that fight, he had a broken jaw from, like, the second round. Oh, wow. And he continued to fight. Oh, gosh, and, like Brett Farvin through the fight. Right. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he lost that fight in a split decision, so it was still close. Huh. Um, it was this guy that was named Marty Marshall, who was like <laughs> very much like a bouncing around kind of fighter, whereas Sonny Liston was like a just come at you, like I'm not moving out of the way kind right. of thing. Marty Marshall. Marty and within a year him and marty had fought two more times and he beat the shit out of marty both those yeah, times wow. so marty really wanted it and marty was like top 10 <laughs> fighter in the world at oh, the time wow, okay. right like i mean all these are like he's already getting to the point where he's fighting named fighters okay. right you know some of them are kind of funny but um but as this is going on sonny's regular life he's doing all this other stuff and with a criminal record and his association to some of those top shelf kind of fellas Everywhere that he was going, he was getting stopped on site by cops, you know, like tongue. Oh, right. Plus, you know, it's the 40s and the 50s. It's the 50s at this point, and it's a black guy walking around, you know. Right, yeah. A lot of places weren't really the nicest 
and two people at that point. You, you don't know? have to and be understand. doing anything in that situation. Right. Yeah. Um, May 5th, 1956, he was confronted by the police in regards to a cab that was parked near his house. I'm not, I couldn't find out much about this. They might have thought that there was some illegal, nefarious thing going on. Um, and Sonny claimed that the cop used racial slurs, and that's why he went off and assaulted the officer. Took his gun broke the cop's knee and gashed his face <laughs> now what do you think that kind of charge would get you for time sir, time in jail because he was arrested and he was sentenced well i mean based on what he's been getting sentenced probably five months or so <laughs> it was a, it was a nine month prison. nine months oh right my God. and he only served six months of that and this was a cop i can't believe i was he that broke close. a cop's knee stole his his, right. his gun and basically beat him to death like, yeah full full-on assault so, you know, it has nothing to do with the people that Sonny's hanging out with, right? Right. Wow. Um, reports after that incident even came, that came out even claimed that uh, nightsticks were broken over his skull while he was still resisting. Man. You know, some of that's... I mean, uh, the legend. journalists also at that time were like... There was a lot of, like, depiction of, of like... When they talk about a black guy in the news, they'd say a monster. Right, You know, right. They, they'd say these, like keywords that made people more scared of people than, than they needed to be. Right? right. Um, so this type of thing, like I said, added to public's perception of Sonny being a monster that was impervious to pain. And, uh, you add all these things together with like his reputation, his background, that all these stories are coming out. Like people start to get scared of Sonny. Okay. Like they don't, other fighters are like, oh, I don't know if I yeah, want to fight want this to guy. mess with that. Um, so in 1958, Sonny used his, I did this in all caps, gigantic hands. <laughs> and uh, he, he used those to win eight fights, six of them by knockout. And mm. at that point, he started with a new manager named Pep Barone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, all the Don Smiths of the world. Pep him, is but... in quotation. Like, his name was Joseph Barone, but Barone. Pep was what he went by. All right. Sounds like a boxing kind of guy. Absolutely, I can. He looks like the little guy off a of Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yeah, there then. you go. What was his name? Max. Yeah, there you go. No, Mac was, was the fighter. I can't remember. Yeah, the Mac name. was the fighter. Anyway, yeah. Moving on. Well, Pep just happened to be a frontman for Frankie Carbo and Blinky Palermo, <laughs> who I'll give you a guess what they do for a living. <laughs> give it to me. And they're mobsters. No. I was like, I don't know what direction to go. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, that's what he's involved with even more so now, right? Right. So the night, the following year, he continued to move up in the rankings, and he was defeating contenders and higher-ranked fighters. So he was moving up the rankings, right? In 1960, <clears throat> he won five more fights, which these are heavyweight fighters. Now you might get two heavyweight fights a year. These mm -hmm. guys, he was fighting five to eight a year. Wow. yeah. Big time fights, which right? honestly sh is the way it should be. <laughs> I guess unless you break your jaw and like four months later well, you're like, let's fight again. Like, yeah, okay, I mean, you're I mean, crazy. Personal decisions, but yeah, yeah. Um, one of these fights that he won in this new in 1960 was uh, Roy Harris, who had taken the world champion Floyd Patterson 13 rounds. So like this guy, wow. Floyd Patterson was like legendary fighter, right? I mean, I've this heard guy, of him, this so. guy Roy Harris, had gone 13 rounds with him earlier that year. Okay, and he, that Sonny beat him in like four rounds or something. Oh uh, wow! Okay, so uh, another contender was defeated in thir three rounds, and 
at that point, he, Sonny was considered a top contender. So during this time frame, he had nine straight knockouts and beat two more people in decisions. And then he became the number one contender for the heavyweight title, which was held by Floyd Patterson. So Floyd Patterson's uh, manager, who's named Cus D'Amato. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect for the role, um, too, man. He'd had, he'd had his manager's license revoked by the New York State Athletic Commission for association with racketeers. But Patterson and his handlers refused to give Sonny a shot at the title because of his links to organized crime. <laughs> so I think that there was a lot of fear of, like I said, he has this reputation. Right. He's a well, bad dude. And if you end up beating him, I mean... You know, what's going to happen to you? Right. <laughs> right. But also, you know, I, you, they're, they're trying to say, well, we don't want to be associated with this organized crime while their right. guy was just associated with organized crime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, they refused to, you know, because of that. And then there was also people that were like the civic leaders who were worried about how it would look for the children. You know, obviously the children. Right. kids were watching fights. We don't want Sonny Liston to fight. He's a bad man kind of thing. Yeah, he's a monster. The NAACP was worried about Sonny Liston fighting because they would, because of the effect he might have on the civil rights movement because of his reputation. Yeah, yeah. And even JFK at one point urged uh, Patterson to not fight Liston because of his ties to organized crime. So, oh, wow. I mean, Sonny Liston got to be like, I mean... I had no when, idea. When you that. think of like boxing mm-hmm. there's like 10 names it's probably five names that almost everybody could name even if you're not a boxing fan right. i think sonny listen in five to ten range yeah i mean he's one of mine yeah. you know yeah, i mean yeah. obviously people are gonna go with the the regulars ali and tyson and stuff but right. then like if you really think about it you know mm-hmm. you think of these other ones anyways sugar ray leonard right yeah <laughs> um then in 1961 sonny decided to change management and then he applied that management applied pressure through the media and accusing Patterson of drawing the color line against his own race because he'd fought mostly white men. So they're like, you're scared to fight another black man. Um, so Patterson blamed Cuss and Patterson eventually changed management as well. So eventually they agreed to fight for the world title in 1962 in Comiskey Park. Uh, most people picked Patterson to win. One guy who's named Cassius Clay predicted a knockout by Liston in the first five rounds. I was wondering he was going to make an appearance. Well, <laughs> it didn't take Sonny five rounds. It took him uh, one round oh, to wow. beat Patterson. He knocked him out in two minutes and six seconds. Oh, wow. With a left hook that Sports Illustrated wrote, quote, that final left hook crashed into Patterson's cheek like a diesel rig going downhill, no brakes. <laughs> It was the third fastest knockout in the world heavyweight title fight and the first time the defending champion had ever been knocked out in, the first, in round one. Wow. Um, so, <clears> he, you know, he's thinking he's going to get this hero's welcome and all this and gets back to where he's living at that point in Philadelphia. He gets back there and only a few people were there. Oh, wow. And he just kind of crushed him, you know. He was like, I made it this far yeah. from nothing and now I'm the world champ. You know, like, it's a world champ. Yeah, you know the Super Bowl winners. There's ticker tape parades. You know, That's like true. back in that day, world champs were getting. Yeah, they were the the legends of the city, right? And boxing's pretty big back then. Too, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, he was assured that there were going to be crowds there, but it, there were only a few reporters and PR people. And so that then on, from then on, he just kind of <clears> decided <throat> to play into this like, um, 
the idea that everybody had of him, and he just tried to avoid any effort to look likable to anybody. <laughs> so he just kind of like I think it just crushed his right. soul. If this is the way it's going to be, then right. you know I'll give it to you. So during his career, white journalists would describe him and other black athletes and all sorts of racially charged slurs, and the, all these things that have happened. Plus that made him pretty unlikable with the public. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, and Sonny and Patterson, Sonny and Patterson had a uh, rematch clause, though. And on July twenty second, sixty three, they met again in Las Vegas. Well, this this fight was longer than the first fight by four seconds. No, so it was two minutes and twenty seconds <laughs> when uh, <clears throat> Sonny Liston knocked him out again, and he he was booed. Yeah, and he said, "The public's not with me. I know it, but they'll have to swing along until somebody comes to beat me." You know, so I mean, he's confident, but yeah. he's also like, people don't like him, right? Um, he's at this, at this time he's considered the most intimidating intimidating fighter in the world. Obviously, he'd beat eight of the top ten fighters in the world, knock, knocking out seven of them. Wow! So I mean, legendary, right? Absolutely. So along comes this young guy who's twenty two years old, named Cassius Clay. Indeed. And in nineteen sixty four, February twenty fifth, a fight was scheduled in miami you know cassius was like the young new uprising heavyweight and he talked a lot right yeah loud mouth <laughs> uh leading up to the fight he began i think what, what everybody knows him to do and he's talking shit uh he even purchased a bus and painted liston must go and eight on the side of this bus pulls into liston's neighborhood the day of the fight or the the day of the contract signing at three o'clock in the morning with the press in tow and a bullhorn hanging out of the window screaming come on out of there i'm gonna whip you now yeah uh fun fact during his career cassius clay accurately predicted the exact round he would win in 12 times oh really yeah so when he had all those like rhymes that he would do 12 Mm -hmm. times in his career he was right huh so crazy Um, so he was, I'm going to let you listen to something. This is not a, it's a, it's a, it's a involved Sonny, but only because it's Muhammad Ali talking shit. Okay. But in in case you don't know, Cassius Clay is Muhammad Ali. Right. Well, that was coming later. Okay. I'm sorry. He's still Cassius Clay. Yeah. You had just said it. So yeah, yeah, I had to tell you. He was Cassius Clay. Then he became Cassius X and then he became Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Forget I said that. But. I mean, yeah, it is the same person, but <laughs> at this point, it's Stole still your thunder. He hadn't changed his name right, yet. He hadn't so, done that yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to play an interview that they had with um, Cassius Clay before the fight, because he said later on, he said if Liston wasn't thinking nothing but but killing me, he wasn't thinking about fighting. You got to think to fight, and uh, so he's trying to get into his head. And also, this is going to like come into the fact that like. People don't like Muhammad Ali either. Right. Because of this brash behavior, right? Mm-hmm. People look at him now as like a hero, but back then Yeah, not not between so much his the case. between his time all of this stuff is coming up. But right. uh just so you know that Sonny was nicknamed the Big Bear. So when you hear this, you'll hear the bear referenced a couple of times. But this okay. is like this is a few minutes, but I mean it's just you can hear the trash talk that's coming up and i just always <laughs> thought that was hilarious to all right here this we go this is gonna be fun 
see the fight, you know, this is the greatest fight of all time. Children this small uh, uh, want to see it. So this little girl was talking to mother day of the fight. She says, Mommy, may I go to convention hall instead of out to play and witness the great annihilation caused by Cassius Clay? No, baby, no, you may not go. For the crowd will be fierce and wild. Gambling and betting, winning and losing, isn't good for little child. But mother, I won't be alone. Other children will be with me. Cassius says that he is the greatest, and we all would like to see. Okay, darling, you may go, but come right home after the show. When she got to the fight, it was really great. Sonny Liston fell, as predicted in eight. And as the people left the fight, you could hear them say, this kid is a legend, that Cassius Clay. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cassius Marcellus Clay. He's young, he's handsome. They know it. He's a poet, a prophet, and many people believe he'll be the next heavyweight champion of the world. Cassius, can I ask you how you're feeling now at this point of your I'm training? feeling great. I'm ready to go to war right now. Well, when you say you're ready to go to war right I now... I see that bow on the street, I beat him before the fight. You'd actually take him on before the fight? Beat him like I'm his daddy. I saw Sonny Liston a few days ago, Cassius. Ain't he ugly? <laughs> he He's too ugly to be the world's champ. The world's champ should be pretty like me. Well, he told me to bet my life that you wouldn't go three rounds. Well, if you want to lose your money, then bet on Sunday. Oh, uh, may I ask you because this? Because I'll never lose a fight. It's impossible. Tell him. It's impossible. Never lost a fight in your life. Ask any of my fans when was the last time they lost. I'm too fast. Champion from I'm the crib. I'm the king. King of the crib. Born the champ from the crib. Ah! I may ask you this. The odds are three and a half to one in favor of Sonny Liston. Could you tell me what your reaction to those well, odds are? Well, I don't are? know nothing about the odds. I don't know nothing about the gamblers or the bettors or the gangsters or nothing. All I'm going to do is put that bear on the floor, and after the fight, I'm going to build me a pretty home, and you may use him for a bearskin rug. <laughs> well, people think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm serious. I've had 200 amateur fights, won all of them. 22 professional fights, won them all, knocked out 15, and told the clown what round he was going down. Well, could you, could you do this for me? Could you tell me the Sonny Liston's ability to com compare to anybody you've fought? Well, I, I, I make this prediction. This will be the biggest upset in all fighting history, and this will be the easiest fight of my life. The bomb is too slow. He, he can't keep up with me. I'm too fast. He's old, I'm young, he's ugly, I'm pretty. It's just impossible for him to beat me. And as far as his ability is concerned, I know nothing about his ability. And as a matter of fact, I've never seen him fight once with Floyd Patterson, and that wasn't no fight, that was a rabbit hunt. <laughs> okay, so I mean, now you're getting to be here. There's, there's a lot more if you want to check out that stuff. So That's hilarious. But, I mean, he goes on to like a little poem and stuff. But anyway, so because of that behavior, obviously, you know, like the white people were like, why is this black guy being so brash? And like, because at that point, like boxing was still like a much beloved American, right? Even apple pie baseball kind of thing. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> there's an article that came out right before that quoted uh, Cassius Clay Sr., saying that uh, Cassius had joined the Nation of Islam. So, right. um, so at this point, with all those things, which I mean, people thought the Nation of Islam was like anti-white racist, right? right? So they weren't liked by the public. 
And so at this point, Liston actually had the public on his side for once. Like, right. Uh, <clears throat> now this is was from the old guy you hate, not the new guy. Right. And, <laughs> and Liston was about 30, 32 somewhere. So he's about 10 years older. Um, but in the New Republic, which was a, it's still a magazine that exists, mm-hmm. uh, the editor was named Murray Kempton, and he wrote, quote, Liston used to be a hoodlum. Now he is our cop. He was the big Negro we pay to keep the sassy Negroes in line, end quote. So that's the way that people thought of him, is like, they're going to shut up this Cassius Clay guy because right. he's talking too much. You know, there's plenty of other words that people said then. We won't go into that. But that's <laughs> yeah, what was... say those words. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we know what everybody was thinking at Indeed. that time, right? Just stop talking. That's why he was disliked. Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, was disliked for most of his career. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> because of this Nation of Islam thing, they had to reach a compromise with Cassius in regards to that. Yeah, because that kind of shit really scared Whitey, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his companions that would come to his fights was Malcolm X. And then part of this agreement was that Malcolm X would keep a low profile and that Cassius couldn't um, link himself with the Nation of Islam. Yep. And the promoter of this fight still lost $300,000 oh, in wow. 1964, 65, right? Oof. So he was keeping on talking shit, and when the, doing the weigh-in, Claire, Cassius was wearing a bear hunting jacket. It says bear hunting on the back of his jacket. <laughs> he started scr- screaming and shouting, I'm the champ, tell Sonny I'm here, bring that big other bear on, you're scared, chump, someone's going to die at ringside tonight, stuff like that. Wow. Um, <laughs> Laying it on thick. Yeah, the fight began, <clears throat> Sonny tried to knock off his head, couldn't do it, he's just dancing around, and... Before the start of the seventh round, the fight was ended. So, I mean, he was dancing around and stuff. It was... Sonny wore himself out. Two different narratives of what happened. Ali, biographer David Remnick, said... that uh, Listen told his cornerman, that's it. And this supposedly rallied, rallied his, listen, his handlers who thought they meant he was finally angry enough to win. But Listen really meant that he was through fighting, which was indicated when he spit out his mouth guard. Hmm. But the Liston biographer, Paul Gallander, says that Liston's shoulder was essentially paralyzed by the end of round six, and his corner made his decision to end the fight. Um, Liston did spit out his mouth guard in disgust, and at that point, like, they'd call the fight, and uh, Cassius Clay was running around the ring yelling, I'm the greatest, and I shook up the world. Look at me, no no mark on me. I could never be an underdog. I'm too great. Hail the champion. Okay, so <laughs> still being brash. Right. Two days later, he announced that he was in the Nation of Islam and eventually became Muhammad Ali. Uh, Sonny's like dealing with, he gets arrested again after this. Um, this time he gets charged with speeding, careless and reckless driving, driving without an operator's license and carrying a concealed weapon. Oh, well. They found empty <clears throat> bottles of vodka and a young woman in the car. And uh, so this continued that, like, people were not liking Sonny. Right. Um, and at this point, Congress was even investigating corruption and organized crime in boxing. Yeah. And there were, there were accusations of a fix being in on this fight. Oh, the one that was ended? Yeah. Yeah. But they're never substantiated. But that's not the last time we're going to hear about this. Uh, they did have a rematch clause, which was technically not allowed at the time. And also added to the suspicion that the fight was fixed 
because Sonny would make more money to lose and fight again than he would if he had won. So all these things are kind of, his ties are coming back to haunt him. Right, right. So before the second fight, Liston's training harder than ever, and was apparently in the best shape of his life, and was established as the favorite almost immediately. But after all sorts of crazy shit going on everywhere, they had to move the fight to Lewiston, Maine. Wow. Because there was more corruption with the promoters of the original fight. Um, another sunny arrest, and uh, Muhammad Ali had to go in for a uh, hernia surgery. And uh, finally, May 25th, 1965, was they scheduled the fight, right? Okay. Um, there, at this point, Ali is still talking shit, going on, but there's more going on this time because uh, the atmosphere surrounding the fight was tense and sometimes ugly due to the repercussions of Ali's embrace of Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. Malcolm X had just been assassinated a few months before the fight, and the men arrested for the slaying were members of the Nation of Islam. And rumors circulated that Ali, who had publicly snubbed Malcolm after his break with Elijah Muhammad, might be killed by Malcolm's supporters in retaliation. Mm-hmm. This was taken so seriously <laughs> that the FBI uh, posted 12-man, 24-hour guard around Ali. Uh, and Liston's camp also claimed that he had received a death threat from the Nation of Islam. Uh, then you add to that what, what's called the Fruit of Islam, which are those bow tie wearing Nation yeah. of Islam guys. Like they were always around, so it just kind of everybody felt this like sense of hostility and foreboding, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the security for this fight was unprecedented. Um, so this is like from Wikipedia, okay? So the ending of the second Ali Liston fight remains one of the most controversial in boxing history. Midway through the first round, Liston threw a jab, and Ali supposedly went on over it with a fast right, knocking the former champion down. Liston went down on his back, he rolled over, got to his right knee, and then fell on his back again. Many did not see Ali deliver the punch. The fight, the fight quickly descended into disarray, and they couldn't get Ali to go to his corner. Ali initially stood over his fallen opponent, gesturing and yelling, get up and fight, sucker, and nobody will believe this. And you've seen this picture. That's yeah, the one yeah. where Ali's fist is up. Right. That's that's Sonny Liston on the ground. And like it's called the Phantom Punch. Um, Ali doesn't even remember if he doesn't even know if he hit him. Hmm. Um, he did call it later an anchor punch, but nobody ever saw him through that punch again. So interesting so there were there were controversies involving the knockdown because the rules in maine were different than they were in other places but it was as soon as the fight was ended fans were calling the fix huh. yeah um sonny's in the best shape of his life one of the best fighters of all time powerful but affiliated with the mob so Right. There are a number of theories to why he might have taken a dive on this. The mafia forced him to throw the fight as part of a betting coup. Mm-hmm. Liston bet against himself and took a dive because he owed money to the mafia. Uh, a couple members of the Nation of Islam visited his training camp and told Liston if they would kill him if he won the rematch. Um, so this guy, the Liston biographer, claims that members of the Nation of Islam kidnapped his wife and son and was told that if he if he'd lose and he if he didn't lose then he would never see his family again right 
Um, he, there's another theory that he might he was afraid he'd be accidentally shot by followers of Malcolm X as they tried to kill Muhammad Ali. Hmm. Um, maybe a share in more marketable Ali future fights. Well, you know, it's like um, that one's kind of like later on he fought a guy named Chuck Wepner one of his last fights and uh listen see more preoccupied in supporting proposed ollie fraser bout so hmm. uh he won hmm. like 15 of his last 16 fights though and uh it sounds more and more like he just uh threw it right <laughs> but that really ruined his reputation because right. it created the suspicion of corruption you know so he did, he wasn't as intimidating as he was before right and uh on January 5th, so, I mean, this the end of his career is already over. Well, I mean, I think he was still fighting. But on January 5th, 1971, his wife returned home from a two-week trip, and uh, she found him slumped against the bed with a broken footstool next to him. She called his attorney and his doctor, but didn't notify the police until about two or three hours later. Hmm. Um, the investigation determined that there was no foul play and listed his death as a heroin o- overdose. And his date listed is December 30th, 1970, which is not January 5th, 1971. Oh. Um, so he'd been dead for, they think, 15 days in the house. Uh-huh. Nobody found him, basically. The coroner said traces of heroin byproducts were found in his system, but not large enough to have caused his death. Okay, so, so there's a lot of things that don't add up. Police right. didn't find any paraphernalia in the house, but they did find a quarter ounce of heroin in a balloon and a half ounce of weed. So how was he doing these drugs? Although it's not uncommon for like families to clean up the scene to like save embarrassment. You know? Right, right. But the the weed, the heroin was on the counter in the kitchen, and the weed was in his pocket. So I don't know how they would have been able to clean up all the paraphernalia, but not find this balloon of heroin sitting <laughs> on the counter. Right. Um, and many people who knew Liston insisted that he was afraid of needles and would never have used them. A lot of his trainers said that they couldn't get him to use needles. Um, Davy Pearl, a boxing referee and a friend of his, said he had a deadly fear of needles. There was nothing Sonny feared more than a needle. I know. Um, and his dentist said he was afraid of needles. So, hmm. I mean... Interesting. Um, this other guy said he would do anything to avoid taking shots, right? So... According to Liston's trainer, Liston canceled a planned tour to Africa in 63 because he refused to get required inoculations. Well, sounds like a mob hit. So, um, his wife even said that her husband would refuse basic medical care for common colds and other things because of his dislike of needles. Um, so, that's part of the mystery of it. Right. Some believe he was murdered. And there's a few theories why, right? Uh, publicist Her- Harold Conrad and others believed Liston had been deeply involved as a bill collector of a loan sharking ring in Las Vegas. When he tried to muscle in for a bigger share, they think that his employers got him drunk, took him home, and stuck him with a needle. <laughs> uh, professional gambler Lim Baker insists that Liston was murdered by drug dealers who he'd become involved with. Um, He's been seen at houses that would be the target of drug raids, and uh, the sheriff told this guy, tell your pal Sonny to stay away from the west side because we're going to be busting the drug dealers. Hmm. Banker later learned that police told Liston the same thing to his face, and he was allegedly present at dealer, uh, another dealer's name during a raid by narcotics detectives, and so they might have thought he was an informant and 
killed him. Right. Um, another theory is the mob promised Liston some money to throw the second Ali fight, but they never paid him. In the years past, Liston's financial. This was he died nine years after that fight. So is his financial situation worse? And he got angry and told the mob he'd go public, and they came back on him. Um, yeah, I think something like that sounds more likely to me. But. Or he was supposed to take a dive when he fought his last fight against Chuck Wepner, and uh, he didn't right because he beat him, and maybe that was a payback for his failure to do so. Um, there's too many books to mention about Sonny Liston, but there's you know there's unsolved mysteries is where I found this. Huh, yeah, it's crazy. I'd never knew. I this still don't know Sonny like Liston. how how he died. Huh. I mean, I wanted to build up to other stuff because it was like his yeah him and Ali. I like Muhammad Ali a lot. So mm-hmm. um, his career stats: fifty wins, four losses, thirty nine knockouts, and he was wow. inducted in 1991 to the box International Boxing Hall of Fame. Most everybody's going to have him in their top 10, maybe even top five greatest heavyweights. There's a lot of people have him in the top 10 greatest boxers of any weight. Um, So, yeah, Sonny Liston, Arkansas native, I guess. Yeah, Arkansas native, Sonny Liston. Sorry, that was a little bit long, but. Eh, It was a good one, though. Yeah. Yeah, sorry I gave away your. uh, It's all right. It wasn't really that much of a spoiler. Right. It would have been fun to, to hear you. I mean, most people would have known who it was right away. But. Right. It's all right. I'm going to ruin yours because as soon as you say it, I'm going to tell the ending. They all die. Yeah, you might know this or one. Or the aliens get them. <laughs> yeah, no aliens in this one. Um, but it is, uh, I did end up doing another disappearance. And this isn't even the one I was talking about when we did the disappearance episode. <laughs> yes, I did Bill Clinton. All right. Perfect. <laughs> and what did you say? It's like, and then he smoked a cigar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to do uh, the disappearance of Linda Artiega, or Ortega, hmm. is how uh, her brother Eddie Huff pronounces it. But um, she goes missing, uh, of course, in my notes. I don't have the, the date <laughs> written now. The that first part of my notes. Chris always skips yeah. the first sentence of his notes. Yeah, we're going back to 2012, September 22nd of 2012. Um, Linda Ortega and her brother Eddie Huff decide to go, according to different accounts, either hiking in the woods or out on a hike to get taught. Uh, like Eddie was going to teach Linda like some survival skills in the woods. Uh oh. And I've seen this movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then some robot grandma came running out of nowhere. And there's no robot grandmas here either. But um, they do get lost. And that's where I'll stop telling that story. And I'm going to read this email from um, from a retired Arkansas State Police Detective Bill Beach. Um, he sent this email to, uh, to the police that had begun uh, to one of his cop friends that, talking about an investigation that had begun into the missing Linda Ortega. And so he says, uh, subject is heads up, says, hey, just a word. There's a family of crazy people living next door to the church. Don't know the last names, but first names are Barbara, Eddie, and Linda, all supposed to be siblings. I'll stop there and say they do all have last names, but they are all siblings. <laughs> so, you know. They have different last names. Yeah, they all have yeah. different last names. You just names, said yeah. they had last names. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do have last names. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Arkansas is different. Yep. yep. They've been to the church a few times, and as unchristian as it might be, they make the hair on my neck stand up. Seems Linda has been missing 
missing for about five days now, according to them, and Eddie came by the church today to spin a yarn about it. He said they went hiking and got lost, but he made it home two days ago after having split up in the woods because Linda said she was going to someone's house. Someone who grows marijuana and makes meth, but he doesn't know for sure who it is. Talked about seeing other people, and no one will give him food or water, but when I asked him about being by the river, he said it was, quote, dry, and then he began to hallucinate because he had been without food and water for three days, etc., etc. They called SCSO today to report her missing. I don't know what SCSO stands for, but, you know, yeah. Mm. I don't know what they'll do, but it would be my suggestion that they work this as a homicide. Nothing he said made sense, and the more questions I asked him, the more the story changed. He's covered in chigger bites and briar scratches. A week ago to... No, and that's where... I'm sorry. Not a week ago today. So that's where I'm going to stop that email. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, so this guy's suspicious because he had uh, talked to... uh, talk to Eddie Huff a little bit about this disappearance, and I am going to end up playing a little bit of uh, Eddie Huff's interviews. I'd found this podcast that did a much, much longer and in-depth story, and they played a, the interview can be quite boring at times and kind of confusing, which is why I'm going to play it, because it's like, well, what is your story here? Okay. But also, like... Be prepared to be bored. <laughs> well, no, I'm not going to I'm not gonna bore you. If this is really boring. Listen up. <laughs> a lot of the clips I'm going to play are like more like, well, listen to, you know, how the cop is asking the questions, too. Because right. I'm like, you know, I mean, at, at times I feel like the cop is being a little unfair because it's like, well, I don't know. He's answering your question. You're not listening to his answer. <laughs> it's no, kind of how I that felt. never happens. Right. It's like, and granted, his answers are definitely weird, but, um, but we're, we're not there yet. So uh, next I'm going to read uh, the police report about the interviews that we're going to listen to here. So I have to zoom in on that one. You give me a second. Um, case summary. On the evening of September 26, 2012, I was contacted by Searcy County Sheriff's Office, that's SCSO, Chief Deputy Dwayne Pierce and informed his department was investigating a missing person case on victim Linda Ortega. Pierce stated he interviewed Linda's brother, Edward Huff, who reported that on September 22, 2012, he and his sister went for a walk in the woods near their residence, and the two became lost for two nights and eventually became separated. Huff made it home and never reported his sister missing. Pierce believed Huff had somehow harmed his sister and requested assistance from the Arkansas State Police. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, on the night of September 26, 2012, Special Agent Todd Shaw and I interviewed Huff at the um, SCSO. This interview lasted several hours and ended at approximately 12.41 a.m. So, that's going to be some of the interview we listen to here. Let me get ready because I yeah. did not come prepared today. That's all right. You get to hear his thing turn on. You didn't hear a thing at all turn on. It was a bird drone. Nothing being turned on here. All right. We're going to start. Hopefully. Today's date is September 26th. Time is 6.20 p.m. This will be the recorded interview of Edward Lee Huff. I'm at the uh, Searcy County Sheriff's Department. Special Agent Dennis Simons of the Arkansas State Police. Your date of birth, Mr. Huff. August 16th, 1955. What's your home address? Barb's address? What is your home address? Where do you live? At Barb's house. I don't I don't have anything with you. Who's right? Barb? Barbara Friend. Barbara Friend? Yeah. Who is she to you? My sister. 
What town does she live in? St. Joe. Last name's Prien, right? Yes. That's your sister? Yes. Is she the one that's missing? No, Linda, okay. my sister, is missing. Okay. Her name's Linda Ortega. Okay, hang on, we're going to get to that. You do anything for a living? Uh, I'm, right now, I'm just trying to get SSI, sir, because I've got health issues. Listen, you're not under arrest, all right? Okay. And I'm going to take a statement from you, so I'm going to read you your rights. You understand okay. that? Okay, right. with that. Just because I'm reading rights don't mean people are under arrest. They get confused about that. All right, Eddie. Who we got missing now? My sister, Linda Ortega. What is it? Linda Ortega. Linda Ortega. Yes, sir. How do you spell Ortega? That's the thing about, I don't know. You have O-R-T-E-G-A? Something like that. How old is she? Uh, this is almost 30. All right, Eddie. Tell me your story. Okay. We were going down uh, Milk Creek Road. And it got dark. We got disoriented. When was this? Saturday. What time of the morning, Saturday morning, did y'all leave to go on this adventure? It was about 8 or 9 o'clock. 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. You left her house? That Barb's house, yeah. You didn't take any water? No, sir. Did you take any food? No, sir. All right. You left at 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Let's fall down on your side of this and say you left at 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. All right. Your sister's with you. Mm-hmm. All right. You've walked till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's five hours into this thing. Yeah. You've been walking for five hours yeah. without any food or water. Yeah. What time did you get off Milky Creek Road? How long did you walk that? I would say going by the sun around 3 o'clock. All right. So it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So now you've been walking, let's say, six hours. Yeah. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody knows it's going to get dark at about seven. Mm-hmm. All right, so you've gone six hours without food and water. Mm-hmm. You know dark's going to come back in three hours, mm-hmm. and it's six hours back to the house. Well, yes. But y'all decide at this point to keep walking. Well, I told Linda, I said, uh, let's turn back and head back to the house. She said, which way is it? At, at that time, you're on Milky Creek Road. You just yeah. tell her to go back yeah. Milky Creek Road, right? Yeah. But the, uh-huh. but the side path... No, no, no. You said, you just said, you yeah. just said you were still That's on Milky the, Creek Road. Yeah. The Milky Creek Road, the, the office is still... Okay, the Milky Creek Road, the side path is like this. Okay? Okay, Very but direct. you're on Milky Creek Road. Yeah, but we were on Milky Road on the side path and went. That's going not that what way. you just said. You keep changing well, your story, story on me. That's what you happened. You said at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you were on... Milky Creek Road. Yeah, there was on wood on Milky Creek Road. Then there was this side path. Okay, again, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. You're at the side path on Milky Creek Road. Right. You know darkness is coming in three to four hours. Yeah. You haven't had any food and water since yeah. about nine o'clock that morning. That's right. Are you already hallucinating? Not yet. Okay. Why? Why in the world, when you know you only have a couple of hours of daylight left? Mm-hmm. and you haven't got any food and water and haven't had any food and water, mm-hmm. why in the world do you not go back to the house? That's why I told Liz, let's turn around and go back. 
So we turn around, start the process going back. On the process of going back, then I get, for some reason, it's never happened to me before. I get just disoriented. On Milky Creek Road. On off the side pass. You're on Milky Creek Road. Yeah. You just said you're on Milky Creek Road. Yes, I'm sorry, I know that. Why don't you stay on Milky Creek Road? Well, we'll switch. I switched directions on the hopes to get us back quicker, but I was wrong. I was wrong. We Makes got lost. Sense to me. Why don't lost. you stay on Milky Creek Road? I learned the hard way about that. Unfortunately, it's not. Wow. All right. So yeah, it's like so. <clears throat> I think he also has your chair. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the old chair, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's the first part of the interview huh. I'm going to play. I uh, I do agree with the uh, the cop. Like you know, why didn't you turn back? Well, I'm, I don't know I mean, much about the guy, but I mean, it doesn't seem like he's all there. He's definitely not all there, right? You know, I mean, just a <laughs> just a wild guess, right? And it turns out that the name of the road is not Milky Creek Road; it is Mill Creek. But he had called it Milky Creek, and uh, and the cop, and the cop, I guess, is either playing dumb or doesn't realize that. that who oh, knows? Right. Like it doesn't sound like it's a very big town that they're in. So, like, right. I doubt that's although the, I guess that it's the state cop, so maybe he doesn't know the town very well, and so he doesn't. That's true. Know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, there is that. But um, what else I got in my notes about this first part here? Um, I do think like when he's talking about the side path that. I'm like, yeah, that's not what you said, but you can infer that he means that they were on a path that's parallel to Milky Creek Road, which is what right. he's calling the cops. Like, no, you're on Milky Creek Road. He's like, well, yeah, but on the side path. He's like, no, you said you're on the road. He's like, well, yeah, <laughs> but there's a side path. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I see what you know, you're like, saying. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, you're not the guy's telling you. <laughs> he's it, like, but right. is he telling you? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like because he's also kind of out there, and like it, it's definitely. Well, I was going down this road, and then. Right. We turned around and went the opposite way on the same road, thinking we'd get there quicker. You've essentially been walking you know, six like, hours at this point. How long is this road? <laughs> right, I know. That's Jeez, I'm yeah. fat and out of shape, and I, right. I could walk a long way in yeah. six hours. Arkansas is haunted in that way where it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah I guess so, yeah. Once you get in there, it's just it's vast. <laughs> and that's what she said. Hey, hey now. But um, we're going to get my uh, the next clip of this interview lined up here. And you guys can wait while I sing a song. Oh, wow. Yeah, you like that? Another feature. We were, the, there was a vote. Feature. There was a vote earlier that said that. That, that I uh, should sing more? Yeah, but they also said I had the voice of an angel. <laughs> yeah, so they, thanks. Yeah, they did. All right, here we go with the second part I'm going to play here. The store for details. Oh. Road. Oops. How many times have you walked Milky Creek Road? One time. But any person with any sense, whether they graduated kindergarten or Harvard University, knows mm -hmm. if you're on a main road and darkness is coming, you don't walk into the woods, you stay on the road. So this 30-ish woman, 30-ish year old woman, a few hours in darkness, decides to follow her brother into the woods off the Milky Creek Road when she knows she lives on Milky Creek Road. She's going to follow you who has never been down Milky Creek Road. Mm -hmm. You've convinced her 
to walk into the woods right before sundown when she knows she lives on Milky Creek Road. Okay, because I go Milky Creek Road across the highway and go to Sissa's house. What do you say to her to convince her it is a good idea to leave this main roadway that leads to her house mm -hmm. to follow you, who knows nothing about the Ozarks, mm -hmm. into the darkness of the Ozarks in the middle of the night? Well, all I told Sissa, I said, you feel like going to explore for my daughter, quite frankly. So I told her, I said, oh, God, so you thought going exploring. That's all I said. Okay. So, so you started. took her off into the woods? Yes, I did, sir. Okay. There was four people right here in this whole water. And we hollered. I hollered. My sister hollered. Says, help. There's no food in the water. We need help. Call a cop. Were they on foot? Were they on foot? Yeah, they were swimming. That, that was, they, had a, they had a green looking truck. It was a dark-haired man. So they were swimming? Yes, sir. Did you go down to them? With the grade like it was, that steep, that steep it was, it was like a little drop-off that we couldn't go down to him because the grave was too steep. But I walked over the point and I said, look, man, you and my sister up here, we're lost. We have no food, no water. You no help porch. Us. No, no, the steep. I hollered at him. Mm -hmm. And these people looked at it like... They, like they were like we was crazy. They thought we were, you know, camping out or whatever on purpose. I knew that wasn't the case. And I hollered at my look, man, we're lost. We need help. I hollered for help from these people. We need help. Get a cop. Get somebody. Get whatever. Get get some help here. Then there was a kid on the other side hunting over a squirrel. My sister heard him. So now you've seen a fifth person. I we heard him. I didn't see him. I heard it. That's why she's standing over here. Mm -hmm. And she knew trees, so I assumed they were squirrels. So there was a creek down there. But this side was dry. Okay, but they were swimming. On this side, yes, sir. But they, you could see water. Yes, sir. How come you didn't just work your way down to the water? Number one, it was steep grade. It was dark. I mean, Linda walking all day. It was past dark. And when you woke up the next day, how come you didn't go down there? The deal on that day, the next day went over there, I said, Linda, we need to go down and get some con see if we can get these people down there and do this here. Now, because they were down there at the truck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's water. Yeah. That means they had to have some road to get down there. Right. How come you didn't go down to that when it come daylight again? Come daylight, you went over there and looked and walked down to where they was at. Uh-huh. Where they went the night was night before. Uh-huh. They weren't there. And but I still a road. They had to get down there on the road. They was in a truck. I looked for road, and I saw like so a, the truck magically appeared down there. I don't know if it was hallucinate. I honestly don't know. I don't know. That don't make no sense to me. I don't know if we just seen. One thing I learned in Marine Corps survival mm -hmm. is anybody in trouble will always take the path of least resistance. Yeah. So you're at a creek where there's water. You haven't had any water. Yeah. All right. You said you went two days without water. Like, yeah. I mean, he drank some of the creek water where they were swimming. Went down there. Huh. Well, this All is... right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think I know what happened. Yeah. What do you think well, happened? Well, I mean, he had to have done something to her. 
I mean, it certainly sounds like it, doesn't it? I mean, it, it certainly sounds like he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's it's just trying like, to wait, create a story, but where, he's not smart enough to do it. Yeah, almost. It's like, where are all these people? Hold on, where the kid hunting a squirrel? Well, I knew you it. didn't see, but I didn't here? see him, but I somehow knew it was a kid hunting a squirrel. Like, <laughs> yeah, that one definitely gets me. I had that written down here too. But um, I mean, yeah, they looked at us like we was crazy, you know. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, sounds like maybe you were a little bit crazy, buddy. Like, you know, but um. But it is weird how they didn't try a little harder to get down there if they were in dire straits, you know? Yeah, and he's like, uh, you didn't go to that creek that's full of water and get some water that you needed to drink? Right. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you want to do that? (laughs) Sure seems like you'd want to. We're lost. Hey, there's people 100 yards away. Hey, we're lost. (laughs) Don't, Don't bother coming over here, but we're lost. Right, yeah, don't just. I don't know. Don't just be talking to them, really. Like interesting. Yeah, definitely very interesting. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna move on here in a second. Give me just a second. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to really what to make of this. And, and so, so she's missing. Yeah, she is missing. Well, at this point, as far as him being interviewed and him telling the story, um, they are still together. They haven't gotten separated yet, but there is a certain point that they do get separated and we just haven't gotten there as far as him telling us the story yet so i'm letting him uh tell this part of the story but yes you know now that soon they're going to get separated and um he's when he's being interviewed they are separated yeah at this point they are separated like uh like i had said before in the police report it said that once he makes it out of the woods it's his assumption that she has made it out he doesn't tell anyone that they were missing like he doesn't talk about it at all and then Not once, suspicious. Yeah, and then there's a family member that does find out about it and does alert the police because, well, yes, she is still missing. Hey, man, where's where's Linda? And <laughs> right, her. yeah, and so he. Well, hasn't... we went missing a couple weeks ago. I didn't think it was a big deal. Right. Yeah. So, huh. so yeah, and that's uh, he's getting ready to get to that part of the story, basically, and. uh you know, we'll see if I can manage not to not screw this up. We'll get a Liberty mm-hmm. commercial or something. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll get a Liberty commercial. Probably not. You don't think so? You know, you know what? I guess we move. I guess, well, I guess we must have been loose stating because there was no damn water and there was no damn people. That's not what you just said. But that's what I'm trying to get the point across here. We had been. You just things. said you went down to the water. Yeah, went down to where we where we thought in our mind was the water. But you only been without water for 24 hours. You can't be hallucinating already. We we was hallucinating about warfare school. I I went a lot longer than that without food and water. Right. Anyways, we was hallucinating. Were you on drugs? No, sir. Well, then why were you hallucinating? You, you've only been gone for 24 hours. Well, I don't know what the deal was. We, we was hallucinating because I know all we did was, all the thing we ever ate was, I ate, she's needed. Uh, How come she didn't eat the grapes? What grapes? Finnick eater. What grapes? No, 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 no. Listen to me now. Listen. Listen. Again, I spent 20-something years in the Marine Corps. Well, I understand that. I had been very, very hungry in my life. Yes. There is, after about 12 to 15 hours, there is no such thing as a finnicky eater no more. Well, I told her point blank raised. I said, I said, if I you had grapes, where in the world did you find grapes in the Ozark Mountains? They were, well, I don't know what y'all call them here, but they're a little red. Some people call them uh, thistlebacks, I believe they're called. And I don't call them thistlebacks, but they're little itty-bitty and they're red. 
Linda, her feet swole up from all the briars. Her feet feet were swole up. Steps and scrapes, there's a proof right there on my legs. Her legs legs cut and scraped as mine was. And her feet were swole up. She said, I can't take another step. Fine. It's still daylight. Why don't you go down there? So I go take there. Now, you skipped my question. Why don't you just go down there? Leave her sitting right there. Say, I'll be right back, sis. I told her down the little ridge to the creek in the water. How come you don't do it? And I told her. you've been without water, too. I told her to wait there. I'm going to get down, try to get down this little ridge here. Went down this ridge down here. and went down there. And for some bizarre reason, I can't explain to you why. But we were seeing things. Was no truck, was no people, was no damn water. So you're hallucinating after a simple 10, 12 hour hike, you're already so desperate that you and your sister both are seeing the same thing. Yes, sir. You know, people who don't, number one, you don't start hallucinating after 10 or 12 hours. I've been there, done that. You don't start hallucinating. Well, we did. I'm telling you. Both of you sure don't see the same thing. When you start hallucinating, you and the other person don't see the same thing. And you don't have the same conversations with the same people. That don't happen. Well, it strikes me strange. They weren't there. Well, it strikes me strange, too. This they whole story is striking me strange. They weren't there. So you see water within the woods, no water. You exactly. see people in a truck, but there was, was no, no people. You had some food, but she wouldn't eat. And all this was in the first 24 hours. The next morning. Sunday morning. Okay. We got up and found this sling to. Okay. Then I told Linda, I said, I'm tired. I, I, can take a, I got to take a short nap. And which I didn't do. I stayed up. I saw the, the okay. The ground Ford pickup, the one I saw, was what I thought was a pickup, and no, I thought was water, was right to where we <laughs> camp at, where we were camped at. Now there's another guy in another truck that was by the water. No, 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 no. Here's a simple question. Focus on me, okay? I'd like to focus. Let's get kumbaya on this thing, okay? Okay. You're confusing the magicians out of me. Okay. And I ain't RC, and this is Special Agent Todd Shaw of the State Police. Hello. You know, I see that he's getting confused because he's giving that look like, what the hell is this man talking about? So let's get this. Listen. Okay. Who is this other dude in the Ford pickup truck that you think's brown? How does he got anything to do with this story? Okay. When we was kept this one place, sir, Linda said there was people down there. There's water down there. There was a brown Ford pickup, she said. There was, there was. Well, well, when did she tell you this? What, uh, what point in the story is she telling you? This was day two. Day two. Day two. Okay, so this is another person you've seen. Okay, go ahead. Right. Yeah, she said. He's got brown hair. There's a black lady down there in a yellow shirt. And this is where you like to lean to? Yes, sir. Okay. Then there's a blonde-haired chick, and she said there was a blonde-haired guy, and there was somebody, another dude there. Okay. She, she said there was swimming. Well, I'm looking. I said, sis, you're hallucinating. Okay? You're hallucinating. They're not there. She even said to the point she... All right.
So you can't change my opinion. He ate those berries and now he's hallucinating. <laughs> right. Is kind of weird the that grapes. these both seem to be hallucinating the same thing. Right. Well, well no. But, she's not there because he killed her. <laughs> right. That I mean, perhaps. Man. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like this I guy. Mean, you can tell the cops are like super frustrated. Yeah. But I yeah. think he's trying to create Either he ate a bunch of random berries that he was finding and maybe was hallucinating, and right. maybe the sister wasn't even with him. Yeah. He might not even have a sister. Yeah. Well, well, they're, they're definitely brother and sister, Linda right. and Eddie. So, yeah, that part is definitely true. That part is definitely true. I'm going um, to skip the next little part of the interview I had because basically I've already said, you know, eventually this is day two. They... Um, <clears throat> They stay overnight again, and on Monday, it's when they get separated. And it's because Linda says that she believes there's this, uh, they hear this rooster, and she says, I believe I saw this house over here. I'm going to go see if I can find where the rooster is. Eddie claims that he says, well, hold on, and I'm going to go with you. And then Eddie goes to pee, and when he gets back, Linda's gone. Hmm. And that's, uh, they're separated. That's what he claims, you know, at that, that point in time, that's when they're separated. So he very soon after that finds his way out of the woods. Lo and behold. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> right, yeah. And so soon after that, and now, like, he claims... Did he did he bury the shovel, too, or <laughs> right. did he just, like, take that to somebody else's yeah. house and drop it off? So, I mean, but the way the, uh, the, way the cops react, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell he's getting frustrated. Like, well, but you hold can tell on. he knows he's being like probably video recorded, so he can't like smash his guy's right. head against yeah, the table. He really just wants to smack it. <clears throat> but um, so uh, yep. Yeah, but he calls for her. He gets nothing. Like you know, he's only been gone for a couple of minutes, and when he gets back, she's gone. He yells for her. She's not saying anything. He can't find her. She's gone. So uh, so eventually he just um finds he says he finds his way to a town called connor's and he runs into actual people and this guy actually responds to him this guy's on a horse it's a young guy on a horse who uh tells him how to get back to milky creek road which he does and he's able to get back home the guy doesn't offer him a ride well i mean he only had one horse <laughs> right yeah he only had the one horse he didn't have a sidecar on that horse you can ride two people on a horse yeah i don't know how big i mean it's arkansas so probably just one person per they horse they only have little horses no they got there. big people <laughs> fair enough fair enough but this i am coming this is coming from a big people just so you know. <laughs> coming from a big people so i'm gonna play the last uh <clears throat> interview clip i have here of uh the cop kind of asking some of the same and, questions now you spoiler know. alert this is where the cop Shoots him in the face and just <laughs> at much. the end. Yeah, Eddie dies. <laughs> so here we go. Huh. Where are you going to go from here? From here? Yeah. Where are you going to live? Here. In what house? Barb's house. What are you saying? Is it Barb's house or Linda's house? Barb's house. Barb's house. Yes, sir. What is Linda doing there? Linda is going. To, Linda is going to stay there, like I said, until she's not morning. anymore because she's dead. Ah, uh, she ain't dead. Oh, yeah, she's dead. She's stronger will than that. No, 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 she's dead. She's, and you know it. No, she's yeah. stronger will than that. She's dead as door that don't even know it. Nah, she's strong as I have never heard. In 20 years of doing this, I have never heard anybody make up such ridiculous stories as what you make up. This is absolutely astronomical. They should put you on television. Well, I, number one, she's a strong-willed person, 
and I do believe she's very much alive. She's not strong-willed. On that there. And second, on second. How can you be strong-willed by your own statement? Yeah. By your own statement, y'all were within half a mile to a quarter mile of water. You could see water, and because she had some swollen feet, she wouldn't go to the water. Yeah. That's not strong-willed. But I'm just... Everything I've told you is the truth. No, it's a damn lie. It's a truth. It's a lie. It makes no sense whatsoever. You make shit up the whole, the whole time. If you were listening to me telling that story, you'd be giggling at me. Well, number one, I come here for to get help for her. I come here to get help for it. How can you come get help for on Tuesday? Okay, I'm guilty of that, okay? I'm guilty of that, all right? For being tired, okay? I'm guilty on that part of being tall, dog-ass tired. The truth, and I'm a little bit aggravated because y'all think I killed the sister. Man, I don't know. No, but maybe y'all just were saying I did that, and I did she, not do that, man. Maybe she, maybe she died by accident. No, 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 sir. She was alive and breathing when I left. I promise you. But then she got lost in the woods, and you came home. And she had, yeah, question, because I thought she'd beat me home. She you told me she would. You came home. Oh, why do you think I'm going for the process I can go for now? You came home. You never went and checked on her. And you never called anybody. Because I don't know where she's at over there except that's, that one direction. That's the reason why you call somebody, but you never did. I don't know which direction she's from over by. I don't know this area. You guys might know this area. I don't know it, man. That's why. I don't know this area. That's why everybody calls authorities when they have a lost loved one situation. Yeah, and Linda told me, she says, if we get separated, get me help. I said, sis, I will. But you did. That's the thing on that. She told me she could get me help. I said, I will. But you did it. I admit my timing was late, okay? I admit that. I'm not denying that. I'm not denying that. You did nothing. I mean, nothing. You did nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nada. You did nothing. I did not do no harm to my sister. I love Who my did? sister. I got a bad Who feeling. Did? I got a bad feeling that she was the wrong person. And, and what? It's more than a feeling, Eddie. I got a bad All right. So that's about all we need to hear, I think. <laughs> from yeah, I mean, it's, it's very strange that he wouldn't get her help sooner if he, especially if he actually told her that which uh you know <laughs> which i'm not sure i 100 percent believe that 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 he told her that but um yeah or she said that because she was already dead at that point well right yeah i mean um, what's the as far as what's the benefit of him killing her Right, and so, I mean, that's still the question out there, and, I mean, is she dead? Um, but after these interviews, um, because, I mean, they don't have enough to, to do anything to Eddie. It's like, well, all this is strange, but we don't have any proof you did anything. Like, you didn't call her in, but, you know, it's like there's yeah. not really anything we can do about that. Like, So he's stupid, but he's also like a criminal mastermind? <laughs> he's, like, currently under suspicion because it's like, well, we think you did it, but we can't really prove well, you did it. Well, what's funny is, based on the amount of, like, cold case files shows that i've watched right. in my life in like 20 years they'll just like a new guy will open the book on this and it was like on the first page it'll be like check next to this rock and it'll be like right there's her body right but there is you know. more 
Um, after the interview, they discover um, that in the past, Eddie had a, um, a second-degree manslaughter charge. Um, in the interview, the part that I didn't play, they're asking him about this, and he claims that uh, a guy shot himself with Eddie's gun, and so he got arrested for the second-degree manslaughter. So Eddie's that. a bad storyteller. <laughs> right. That's what a lot because, of boils down Because to. the cops keep telling him, well, that's not how that works. He's like, I, I'm not, I don't know what to tell you. That's how it worked. Like, you know, I'm... I'm not in prison now, am I? So the guy grabbed <laughs> Eddie's gun in his hand and then made well, Eddie pull the trigger the is what he's basically saying. basically asked that same question, and then Eddie says, well, we were playing Russian roulette. And so he's like, well, hold on. That's not... <laughs> so he... But still, why would you get arrested? The wrong contestant <laughs> must have died in that game. <laughs> right, exactly. Wow. And so, but, um, you know, they continue to think that he killed her until they find uh, Linda alive and well. What? In the woods. <laughs> With big swollen feet? <laughs> With big swollen feet and, uh, I mean, in relatively good health, actually. How um, long was this? How long? I was, uh, she was missing, I think, a total of six days. Uh, yeah. So this was uh, three days after Eddie had left her. They, they find her. Yeah, once, once Eddie She'd finally... She'd gone through all the stages of hallucination, right? right? So, so basically, like, like, they interview him. He tells them where they went missing. They go there. They find her within, like... It's within a mile of where So why didn't they go right they when they started to interview him? So well, aren't they just as think, responsible at taking their time as he was? I think the clips here... I guess they hadn't gotten that far in the interview until... I, I don't know. I mean, the interview finished after midnight, if I remember right. Yeah, so but I mean, like, like yeah, they've been uh, asking, so why don't they just have him take them to where they were? I'm thinking it's because they were just so convinced that... He'd killed he, her, he'd chopped her up or yeah, something. so it's like, you know, even if we go there, we're just going to find this her This isn't dead. really, like, this is... By the way, this is not an, uh, a glowing <laughs> review of the uh, Arkansas State <laughs> right. Police. Yeah, for real. Wow. So um, I'm going to read from a dailymail.co uh, oh, that's article, real. right? <laughs> but this is, uh, th- it's going somewhere. But a missing woman found in woods five days after her brother took her there to teach her survival skills and then lost her. An Oklahoma woman was, uh, so she's from Oklahoma. This happened in Arkansas. An Oklahoma woman was rescued on Wednesday after spending five days lost in the woods of northern Arkansas. Linda K. Ortega, 53, Go back to the interview with her brother, Eddie, who said she was near 30. How old? 53? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it was like Sonny Liston, and right. they just didn't yeah. have a date that they wrote things so down. So he can't spell her name, nor does he know he, how he old She doesn't even is. know her. Yeah, doesn't even know her. Had been out in the woods near St. Joe in, Arkansas, in the Arkansas Ozarks learning survival techniques with her brother when they became separated. <laughs> Reported missing on Wednesday, a search was mounted by almost all the town residents of St. Joe and various members of the county until she was picked up by an all-terrain vehicle on Thursday. I had my story a little bit wrong. My apologies. But from other reading that I did, it was pretty easy finding her. Like, <laughs> you know, she was right there where he said she was going to be. Basically, like within a mile of where he said she, where he said she was going to be, like where he lost her. Okay. <laughs> Searcy County Sheriff Kenny Castle said Thursday, Ms. Ortega of Blackwell, Oklahoma, was in overall good condition after the ordeal, sustaining only cuts and bruises. Chief Deputy Dwayne Pierce also told Mail Online that, understandably, when she came out of the woods, quote, she wasn't quite about her head. And what does he mean by that? I wonder. So. Give me, oh, hold on a second. I lost my stuff. There's a, a Canadian singer, by the way, named Lindy Ortega. Lindy yeah. Ortega? Yeah, weird. That is weird, actually. 
Um, so this is, uh, there were no interviews with Linda, unfortunately, that I could find. Um, it was actually hard to find a lot of information. That's why most of my stuff came from one podcast that I listened to. And the same one that I used for my Disappeared episode when I did Robot Grandma, actually. So, The Missing Enigma was the name. You guys can check them out. All right. But, um, so this is, uh, I didn't, doesn't include the, what, this article is from, but I'll just, it kind of starts in the middle of the article. Linda Ortega is now overjoyed to be in a hospital room. She says, this morning for breakfast, I had a good breakfast. So just as well-spoken as her brother, Eddie. <laughs> wow, there. <laughs> it beats searching for food in the woods, the berries and the chestnuts, and I even tried to lick some water off the leaves, says Ortega. Yep, just like Eddie. Ortega says she and her brother stuck together until the third day. I thought he was hurt or something, so what I did, I tried to find help for him, but I didn't know there was nothing wrong with him. So her story's different than his. Like, she thought he was hurt, but he never says anything. He was just going to pee. Maybe he screams or something. Maybe he had a UTI and he was, like, yeah. screaming when he... Right. So uh, there were other times during um, Arteca, yeah, there were other times during those five days that Arteca can't be sure she was thinking clearly, but she did know she was scared. Quote, it was pretty freaky, most definitely. She claimed she wasn't the only one out there. I would see people, I'd ask for help, and they'd act like they didn't even hear me, says Arteca. And uh, apparently she continued to claim that, like, you know, she saw plenty of people. Usually they just seemed to be watching her, and they always acted like, Either they didn't know she was there, couldn't hear her, or they were just watching her and not saying anything. Right. <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah. She says she remembers them looking right at her and not saying a thing. Quote, these people were hiding in bushes. They were weird people. Very weird people, Ortega says. Aren't like the Ozarks, like a lot of like hills have the the hills have eyes kind of things in yeah, there? Yeah. I think it's, you know, pretty, uh, mm. pretty barren. All right. It, or it can be. Well, I'd like to apologize to Eddie anyway for accusing <laughs> right. him of murder. Because he definitely seemed guilty. It seems I was like happy he... you were doing that. That's exactly what I wanted. But uh, to still, me. Uh, he, he killed somebody. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it was like it was real, Ortega says. Whatever, or yeah, Ortega says. Her doctor says whatever she experienced, whether or not it was real or hallucinatory, she clearly did experience that, says Dr. Sorg. Ortega says she never gave up trying to get out. She says, my daddy taught me to have determination, and that's how I had determination. Ortega says she kept walking even though she was barefoot after day two. Ortega says, I was in flip-flops, and I, don't, and I won't wear flip-flops again. She's recovering from the scratches, bruises, and dehydration. The doctor says, actually, she was in pretty decent shape for the story. Hmm. Yeah, and so... Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, one of the main theories about what happened to her um, was that, well, these people she was seeing, perhaps they are shadow people. You know, a lot of people are like, well, they were both on some kind of drugs, and they are out there... You know, running around in the woods, whatever. They went right. to this house. Woo, you're like, pretty. Right? The original cop said, well, I, I heard they were going to this house of somebody that grew marijuana and made meth. So it's like, well, maybe they did some kind of crazy meth or Did they bother drug drugs. testing them after this? I didn't say See anything. See what I mean? Like, they could have easily just drug tested right? Eddie and be like, oh, we found... You know, yeah. a bunch of shit in your system. But I did find uh, on Wikipedia, I looked up shadow people. There's a whole article about like skinwalkers, them. huh? Um, well, they're a little bit different than skinwalkers. Um, let's see. Uh, shadow person is the perception of a patch of shadow as a living species. Humanoid figures sometimes interpreted as the presence of a spirit or other entity by believers in the paranormal or supernatural. They um, often, like uh, there's one called the hat man. 
the guy always appears in a hat. Slender Man can kind of be considered a shadow right. person, like because they show up and they don't necessarily do much, but they're scary. But there's a scientific explanation for shadow people, and uh, several psychological and psychological conditions can account for reported experiences of shadowy shapes seeming alive. A sleep paralysis sufferer may perceive a shadowy or indistinct shape approaching them when they lie awake, paralyzed, and become increasingly alarmed. A person experiencing heightened emotions, such as while walking alone on a dark night, may incorrectly perceive a patch of shadow as an attacker. It's like, well, yeah, that that's a given. Right. Many methamphetamine addicts report the appearance of shadow people <clears throat> after prolonged periods of sleep deprivation. Psychiatrist Jack Potts suggests that methamphetamine usage, methamphetamine usage adds a conspiratorial component to the sleep deprivation hallucinations. One interview subject said that you don't see the shadow dogs or the shadow birds or the shadow cars. You see shadow people standing in doorways, walking behind you, coming at you on the sidewalk. These hallucinations may hallucinations may have been directly compared to the paranormal entities described in folklore. Okay, so it's a meth. I'm thinking it's a meth thing myself. Especially after, well, you hear Eddie's interview, and then you hear the way she's... We can't see Eddie, though, but I would... Yeah. We never see Eddie. I mean, I was confident he was a murderer. (laughs) Right. I was, too. You know, so maybe my my idea of what Eddie looks like is different than what he actually looks like. (laughs) Right. But I doubt he's, like, you know, some suave, svelte guy. And, I mean, he sounded like a nice enough dude, though, but, yeah, like... You know, but the cops like, were you guys doing drugs? Like, no, sir, we were not. <laughs> You're right. Like, it's like well, absolutely not. So I mean, after, the Lord won't let us. Right. After going through the story several times, working on it, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I think there's probably a meth component. Yeah. And that might. My daddy taught like, me to be resilient. Right. We were whining after two days. I love that cop. Well, like, <laughs> she's got the, the the wherewithal to survive. What are right. you talking about? Well, that could explain like why they were so able to go so far. And do so much. It's like, how did you get six hours away? We were running, right? Because they were messed up, man. And like, <laughs> man, that that whole story's messed up, <laughs> right? Exactly. So yeah, that's um. Who knows what happened? That's like the end of all my Linda stories. Linda Ortega. But, yeah, but so Linda was missing, but she wasn't. I think they were just high on meth. All right. And Eddie sure does seem like a killer. So so a lot less mystery as far as, like, Sonny goes. Right, yeah, definitely. Like, it started to seem like there was a lot of mystery, but no, I don't think there really is. I definitely don't think there are real shadow people. I mean, I think people see shadow people, but... Sure. Right, like Slender Man, Hat Man, I don't know. It'd be scary, yeah. though. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you Especially don't if you're that. out of your mind. Right, because, I mean, it does sound like these two did actually believe maybe some of what happened to them <laughs> right and that's why maybe eddie had such a hard time really telling the straight story because well he didn't really know it's just kind of what he's piecing together um hmm. yeah perhaps that's well, why who would have thought that arkansas would have been the one that led us to like one of our longest <laughs> times doing this yeah really yeah it was a long episode sorry, sorry everybody. we went on a tangent at the beginning yeah but i do have another fun fact real quick about Great. arkansas awesome arkansas is the countries their their main not maybe not the countries but they're the their main um export or their one of their biggest exports is bauxite which oh, right. is used to make robot birds. yeah we were talking about that yeah so, yeah huh maine no arkansas oh arkansas <laughs> god oh well that makes sense <laughs> This whole story that Chris just told was from Maine, but we th- he thought it was Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas, Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a small town right outside of uh, Little Rock. Oh, the Ozarks, Maine. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. 
Anyway. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Yeah, we love Telling you. your friends about us and Please your enemies. Do. Donate your And, organs. you know, any meth head you see running around your property, tell them, too. Yeah, don't talk to them. Just don't pretend they're not there. There you go. Uh, <laughs> organdonor.gov. Give them up. Yep. And uh, send Be Chris good. your hate emails. Thank you. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.